Back here with five foot ten inch Brian Westbrook. The Green Bay Packers shocked just about everyone, including Aaron Rodgers, by trading up to draft his successor in round one. Utah State quarterback Jordan Love. Wilds, you'll appreciate this. Now the Packers have A Rod and J Lo. Maybe that's why they did it, because we like don't that. really know why else. Head coach Matt LaFleur, yep, thinks it'll be a perfect fit, saying Rodgers will, quote, be a great mentor. Nick, this fired you up. How should Rodgers feel after this draft? Well, you're right, Jenna. It did fire me up because it got me thinking. And it, obviously he should be furious. They spent a first-round pick on a player they hope will play zero snaps for the next two years minimum. Ben Roethlisberger was upset when his team spent a third-round pick and Ben Roethlisberger's got a more tattered injury history than Aaron Rodgers does and has never been as good. But it's not just about right now, about how Rodgers should feel about what they did right now. Got me thinking, and the more I think about it, Rodgers should be mad about everything involving being drafted by the Green Bay Packers and how the next 15 years have transpired. I think you can make a compelling case that knowing what we know now, Aaron quite literally went to the worst franchise he could have gone to if he wanted to maximize championships. He went to the only place where he would have to sit for the first three years of his career, which he did. He went to the only team in the league that for the better part of the first 15 years of his career simply did not participate in free agency, just was their organizational philosophy not to do it. He has not had a top 10 defense in the last decade. He's only had two top 10 defenses in his entire career. For comparison's sake, Tom Brady has had a top 10 scoring defense in 16 of his 19 years. He went to, now we know, a team that simply won't draft skill position guys in the first round. In the last 15 years, The only other team to not draft a wide receiver, running back, or tight end in the first round is the woebegone New York Jets. So I just wonder, where (laughs) could Rodgers have gone where he would have had the deck stacked against him more? Like, and by the way, their playoff losses. They they have lost playoff games where the defense allowed 51, 37, 45, 44, and twice they've lost playoff games in overtime where he never got to touch the ball. So Aaron Rodgers, that much talent wilds, I would set the minimum Super Bowl appearances that he would have with any franchise at one. And in Green Bay, he's gotten one, and they're already looking to turn the page, it would appear. He should be upset about the whole damn thing. (laughs) So you didn't like their draft? (laughs) You didn't like it? So, no. No, no, I didn't know. Okay. So, no, I didn't. you know, you had a bad draft when every headline afterwards is like uh, the Packers GM defends their decision. We came on the show on Friday and I was like, Nick killed him. And I was like, let me try to find some silver lining. I was like, there's lots of wide receivers out there. Maybe they're coming in the later rounds. Nope. They were around 35 wide receivers got drafted and the Packers didn't take one. And then in one of these defensive articles, we, can we put up this quote, Katanic? This is the dumbest quote I've ever seen in my entire life. Here it goes. This is defending the pick. 
The importance of that position to our franchise is just something to me that can't be overlooked. Yeah, no kidding. That's the way the whole world feels. You're not unique. It's like when people, hey, describe yourself. Oh, I love my friends. I love to laugh and I love my friends. That's everyone. <laughs> That's not a unique thing, Jenna. So, so I just thought the whole thing was silly. I'm not, I don't think Aaron Rodgers should be mad about the last 15 years, uh, like Nick says, but maybe the last 72 hours he should be pretty upset. Well, somewhere, Brian, between the last 15 years and the last 72 hours lies getting rid of Jordy Nelson, not bringing in a veteran coach, getting rid of Alex Van Pelt, his quarterback coach, and then now drafting his heir apparent. I'd be upset if I was Aaron Rodgers. How do you think he should feel after the draft? Well, well, Jenna, I think you're absolutely right. I would be upset if I'm Aaron Rodgers as well, because basically the Patriots, I mean, the, the Packers basically closed the window for Aaron Rodgers. When you watched the Packers last year, you saw Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams, and then just a list of guys just weren't able to get it done, including Jimmy Graham at some time. And so you, you have to say you go into the draft and you have to get some help. And with them not getting help, it just closes the window on his career. And the way that he should feel is almost the same way that Brett Favre felt, that the writing is on the wall, that there will be another quarterback in Green Bay in just a couple of years. But I also want to take a look at this. If you're Matt LaFleur, you're saying, you know, they've had Aaron Rodgers here for a long time. They won the Super Bowl in 2010. Then when you look at the conference championship game, 2014, they lost. They barely lost a game to the Seattle Seahawks in overtime. 2016, they got blown out by the, by the Falcons by 17 points in the conference championship game. And then in 2019, they got blown out by San Fran um, by 17 in the conference championship game. So maybe Matt LaFleur is saying just Aaron Rodgers is not the answer. Maybe it's time to figure out that maybe there's a different answer out there other than Aaron Rodgers having the best quarterback or at least one of the best quarterbacks in the game, there may be a different way to look at it. And so I think if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm seeing the writing on the wall. I'm also seeing that if they wanted to win this year, they would have helped me. Unfortunately, that's not what the Packers chose to do. Yeah, they, but and here's the reason, though, Wilds, why I am looking at the last 15 years. It is, it is franchise malfeasance to have only been to one Super Bowl since you had Aaron Rodgers. Look at the other great quarterbacks in the league. Russell Wilson's been to two. Ben Roethlisberger's been to three. Brady went to nine. Peyton Manning in Indy went to two. One, one went to two. And people will say, well, there's another example. Why didn't you win more with Peyton? Well, a lot of that was because Peyton's performance dropped off markedly in the playoffs. His quarterback rating in the postseason's an 87. Rodgers is 100. Like, Every there hasn't been a single year where you look at it and you're like, wow, Rodgers defense really bailed him out. Rodgers supporting cast really bailed him out. It's never been that. So what's your Rodgers want to have been taken by a team that wouldn't make him waste the first three years of his career? In Russ Wilson's first three years, he won a Super Bowl and went to another one. Patrick Mahomes won a Super Bowl in his first three years. Carson Wentz was in position to win a Super Bowl in his first three years. He should want to go to a team that occasionally would participate in free agency at all during the prime of his career. It's crazy. The Packers, they got Reggie White, won a Super Bowl. They got Charles Woodson, won a Super Bowl. And then they said, we'll take a decade off from free agency. And you don't ever want to be on a list, <laughs> Wilds, with the Jets. And they're on a list with the Jets of just saying, ah, eh, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Who needs those when you have Rodgers? I just, if he was taken by any other team, would he have had less success? 
My argument, Kevin, would be no. So I'm going to throw it back to you. What do you think happens now, Nick? Do you think this is just he plays it out and is just kind of miserable? Or do you think we're ending or this is the first time you can see like a Tom Brady Patriots ending coming with Jordan Love playing the role of like Jimmy G, that this is the fracture that breaks the whole relationship? Yeah, but but the problem is this, Brian. He's he's totally tied to them for the next two years minimum. The, the dead money makes it impossible for them to move on for 2020 or 2021. And in 2022, it would be tough. So if they do move on, you still have $20 million cap hit. So you don't even get the benefit of the young quarterback on a rookie deal. So to me, Brian, this is, this is a couple who has announced they're getting divorced, but they've got to live together for the next two years while it works out in probate <laughs> court or whatever the hell. Like, I just don't. I, I don't see how this goes well, Brian. Yeah, I think and we've seen kind of how Aaron Rodgers can be salty. We saw how it ended with Mike McCarthy. I think at the beginning with Matt, La- Matt LaFleur, it was a little, uh, you know, a little salty between those two as well. And I think it kind of worked out last year. But when you go into the later years of your career, the later stages of your careers, you have to put weapons around that quarterback. We saw what happened with Tom Brady in, in, in New England. They wanted to put more people around him when they didn't. He wasn't able to win. The same thing kind of happened to Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. They decided not to put weapons around him and say he has to win it all by himself. He hasn't been able to do it. Now they make this move to draft Jordan Love in the first round. I can't see how Aaron Rodgers is happy at all. Here on First Things First with Greg Jennings. So the Philadelphia Eagles shocked everyone by drafting Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round. I say shocked because they already have a quarterback who they already paid in Carson Wentz. The move prompted head coach Doug Peterson to say this. When I spoke to Carson, I wanted him to understand we value the quarterback position extremely high. I wanted him to know he's our starter. He's the face of the Eagles. He's our franchise. He's the guy who was hopefully going to take us back to the Super Bowl. Nick, are you buying Doug Peterson's reassurance? Well, this is weird because I like Carson Wentz a lot. I like the idea of Jalen Hurts. I love Doug Peterson. I think he's one of the most forward-thinking coaches in the NFL. But one thing Doug has always struggled with is messaging. I don't know. He doesn't always get his words exactly right. And this is one of those situations where I think he would have been in far better shape saying nothing than saying what he did. Because I I don't think anyone thought when they drafted Jalen Hurts, oh, Carson Wentz is on the clock. Oh, clearly they drafted Jalen Hurts to replace Carson Wentz, who nine months ago they they gave a record-breaking extension to. So why say this i to use a, a anecdote a lot of the viewers of fs1 first time in fact all the viewers of fs1 first time they ever saw me was when i was filling in for colin cowherd everyone knew that i was only there for when colin was sick or on vacation but if a week after they hired me they sent out a press release we want to make this very clear nick wright is not here to replace colin cowherd all of a sudden we'll be like wait what Well, I didn't think he was, but maybe he is. So I don't know why they felt the need to say this, Wilds. Like, to me, this is Carson Wentz's team. Jalen Hurts is there to supplement that and to help out if Carson gets hurt or to help out on some of the 
trick plays, two-point conversions Philly likes so much. But I just, I don't think this statement needed to be said, Kevin. I like the statement that the Eagles, that Yahoo reported that they would use Jalen Hurts as Taysom Hill on steroids. I thought that was perfect because then you're like, great, we have maybe a backup quarterback who you love so much, Nick, and we just have a crazy yeah. gadget guy who can do a ton of things. I was talking about uh, our producer, Katanic. I said, Katanic, here's where I'm at in my quarantine phase. I'm looking at buying a Honda Z50. It's a small motorcycle that I can zip around the neighborhood in. Why? I have no idea. I can barely change my windshield wipers, but now I want to rebuild a bike. <laughs> Not because it's going to replace the Jeep, just because it will be fun. If we could throw up the graphic, Doug Peterson likes to have fun. The guy leads the league in fourth down attempts. He leads the league in two-point attempts, and he leads the league in two-point conversions. So, hey, he could have come out, Nick, and said, Jalen's our guy. Uh, excuse me, Carson's our guy. Jalen's kind of like our fun guy, and maybe eventually we'll have him as a backup. But, Jenna, I think it's a great move. I'm happy that Jalen's on the team, and I think it's just a fun addition to the Eagles. Well, listen, Nick, you said Jalen Hurts is there, you know, if Carson Wentz gets hurt. Greg, Carson Wentz gets hurt. That, that, that's what he's done. That's what he yeah. does. I, I don't know. Do you buy Doug Peterson's reassurance? Yeah, I buy it. Um, to Nick's point, it didn't need to be said, but, you know, something always feels good when it is said publicly and specifically to the individual. So I'm, I'm positive that Carson Wentz appreciated it. However, we know the track record that Carson Wentz has, and that's him being injured. We also realize that their only Super Bowl that they've won with Carson Wentz being on the team was with him not under center. It was Nick Foles. So they've been in a position where Carson Wentz has been spectacular and then gone down to injury, and they had to rely on their second quarterback, who was Nick Foles, who still got the job done. If you listen, there was an interview that Howie Roseman did and he talked about their philosophy with quarterback and he talked about them not allowing one position, whether it be offensive lineman, quarterback, whatever that position is, to derail them in achieving and accomplishing their goal. I love this philosophy. I love this mentality. No receiver or no running back or no any other position on the team would feel like, what, they just took another running back? What, they took another wide receiver? I never once felt like that every time the Green Bay Packers drafted a receiver because I understood it was for the betterment of the team. So when you look at these teams that decide to do what the Philadelphia Eagles has done and then say to their quarterback, you're still our guy, it's like, look, relax. You know you're our guy. We want to make sure everyone knows you're our guy just in case they forgot we just gave you this contract extension. But we also want to ensure that if anything were to happen to you, which we hope does not happen, we are still going to accomplish the goals that we set out. I love it. I understand that, but Nick, let me ask you this. I think something like that could give a guy like Carson Wentz a bit of a complex. There's a statue of the guy that basically went in there when he was injured and won a Super Bowl outside the stadium there. Doug Peterson has to come out and be like, you're our guy, you're the man, you're the franchise, but we drafted another quarterback. 
I don't know, between that and what happened with Nick Foles, you don't think a guy like Carson Wentz can get a little bit of a complex? Maybe that affects him going into the season? Well, if it affects him, then he's not the guy I think he is. Like, this is, I put this in the same bucket as the media distraction. I mean, the, 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 the idea that these pro athletes are so emotionally and mentally fragile that anything that upsets the homeostasis, they're not just, they're not going to be able to handle. I just reject, as certainly not for the guys who I think can be league MVP caliber talents, such as Carson Wentz. And I, I just think this is being viewed through the wrong prism. Now, I was skeptical on Jalen Hurts as an everyday starting quarterback in this league, and I still am, which is why I think Philly is such a great spot for him. They have a solidified, young, under-contract franchise quarterback, and they will use Jalen in other ways, and then he can be break glass in case of emergency, in case Carson gets hurt. And I, I'm going to have a gratuitous name drop here. I apologize. But I talked oh with boy. Lil Wayne, who is Carson, who is Jalen Hurts' agent, <laughs> Lil Wayne. the moment after this pick came in. No, he's represented <laughs> by Lil Wayne. And he, about why this is such a good fit. And Wilds, it's exactly what you said. It's because of the way Doug Peterson tries to use the whole 53-man roster on game day. It's because of the fourth down attempts. It's because of the two-point conversion attempt. So I know Jalen and his representation feel like they are in the perfect spot. And it's not because they think they're going to unseat Carson Wentz. So I don't think Carson Wentz should be concerned that, oh, they drafted a backup. You need Every team needs a backup, even teams who don't run two-point conversions and whose teams whose quarterback doesn't seemingly get hurt once a year. So I, I just wilds to me. It makes perfect sense, and I, I'm not worried that Carson Wentz is going to have some inferiority complex about it, Wilds. No, I agree with you. And first of all, to address your name drop, I got a very uh, important piece of advice from uh, Robert De Niro, and he said, never name drop. So you can just take that and file that one away, Nick. Um, I also think just as far as the... A dynamic between quarterbacks goes. I feel like we're, they're already off to like a great footing. Carson Wentz tweeted at Jalen, welcome to the best football city in America. Jalen Hurts tweets right back, so excited to get to learn from you in Philly. Let's go to work. Greg, Jalen Hurts, by all accounts, is just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Uh, we saw him take lose his starting job and be great with Tua and be the <clears throat> ultimate teammate. To me, it should be no issue in Philadelphia that Jalen is just going to be the paramount teammate to Carson Wentz and help support him and learn from him. I agree. I, I love the situation for Jalen Hurts. I love the situation for Carson Wentz because he's going to be pushed, but he's going to be uh, the leader in that, that locker room and in that quarterback room to help guide and to help bring back another championship to Philly. And if you look look across the league, how many opportunities do these guys behind the starting quarterback get? They get quite a bit. And how often do we see them fail? How often do we see teams not prepared for their starting quarterback to go down and it ruins what they thought they were going to accomplish in the year? Look at the Green Bay Packers and everyone wants to poo-poo what they've done and what they did uh, this last week in the draft with drafting love, 
behind Aaron Rodgers, they're doing the same thing. They're making sure that if something were to happen to Aaron Rodgers, we're going to be okay. And I love the fact that you mentioned his relationship with Tua after getting his job uh, taken from him in the national championship game, but still having the poise and the posture and the leadership skills to stand tall and be who they needed him to be in those moments as a peer that was going to support Tua. This is going to be a great situation for Jalen Hurts. All right, Nick, let me ask you this. If Carson Wentz does stay, does stay healthy and he's the guy we saw play last year leading the Eagles, and then you have a gadget guy like Hurts right there as well, are these two the guys or is, is Carson Wentz the guy that can lead this um, Eagles team to the Super Bowl? Well, I think Carson Wentz has to play better than he played last year. I think he has to play more like he did in year two before he got injured, and we have to see if that Carson Wentz can can reappear because we haven't seen him for a couple of seasons. I know some Eagle fans disappointed. They didn't get CeeDee Lamb. The Cowboys, a few spots ahead of them, did. And then they did. They reached a bit. I think some people feel with Jalen Rager, instead of taking one of the more accomplished collegiate wide receivers when everyone knew they were going to have to take a wide receiver with their first-round pick. But to me, this is a, a very clear two-team race. The Giants are not ready. Washington is in permanent rebuild mode. And I do think Dallas improved more than Philly this offseason. I think Gerald McCoy's addition for Dallas is huge. I obviously love the C.D. Lamb addition, and Dallas really did a great job if you look at value at every round of the draft. So for Philadelphia, as has been the case the last few years, how healthy will they be? Will that defensive front get back to the level it was at the Super Bowl year? And is Carson Wentz going to be the ninth or 10th best quarterback in football or the fourth or fifth best quarterback in football? If they get a f positive answers to all those questions, then absolutely they can be the team a lot of people picked to go to the Super Bowl last year. But it's a lot of questions they need to answer. But I do think, Jenna, that Jalen Hurts helps them along the way more than the typical backup quarterback. Because unlike Green Bay's backup quarterback, who they hope never sees the field this year, I believe, Jenna, they're going to have packages installed and plays installed to get Jalen Hurts on the field. That's right. Just like they do down in New Orleans there with Taysom Hill. All right, let's take a break. Welcome back. Let's check in with the Cleveland Browns. So much hype heading into last season, only to end up a disappointing 6-10. and 10. So much hype surrounding Baker Mayfield, only for him to end up with the second most interceptions in the league. And that all brings us to this year, where once again, the expectations are high with all that talent. In fact, Browns jam Andrew Berry said Baker is focused and determined to put 2019 behind him. Nick, what do you think? Is this a make or break season for Baker's future in Cleveland with the Browns? Sure appears that way. All his rap rabbis are gone. John Dorsey's gone. His head coaches are gone. His offensive coordinator's gone. It's, it's new everybody, and it's people that don't have a loyalty or a tie to Baker Mayfield. And after this season, the Browns have to make an incredibly important decision. Do you pick up Baker Mayfield's fifth-year option, which because he plays quarterback and he was the number one pick of the draft, will be north of $25 million. It's a decision that the Chicago Bears are having to make about Mitch Trubisky here in the next few days. They assuredly are not going to do that. 
But it, it, it basically, you've got to decide on these guys through three years if you want to tie yourself to them long term. And Baker has to play better. Fortunately for Baker, Kevin, it's very simple. Stop turning the ball over, man. That, that's, the, that's the genesis of all of his problems. In his career, they're 7-2 and two when he doesn't turn the ball over. Last year, they were a good team in games where he didn't turn the ball over multiple times, but they were 1-6 in, in games where he had two-plus turnovers. Take care of the football, Baker, and the talent around you in Odell and Jarvis and Chubb and Njoku and Hooper and now you got Worf's the tackle, and you sign Conklin, the other tackle. You have the roster around you to support you. Kevin, he just has to not turn the ball over at a ridiculous rate, and he'll be fine. But if he does turn the ball over the way he did last year, then, yeah, this is a break year as far as make or break for Baker. So I think his interceptions will come down, Nick, but I'm also sort of intrigued by this idea that he plays kind of like with his gut and he's looking to make plays, and maybe our interceptions are kind of just part of the bargain you get when you get Baker Mayfield. It's kind of like Farvian. But the third-year thing that you said I think is fascinating, and it reminded me of this NBC book I read. It was called uh, Top of the Rock, and it was all about must-see TV. And it was about running a sitcom or like NYPD Blue. And it was it's similar to this third-year thing you were talking about. It said, when you have a star, I think they were talking about Cheers with Ted Danson. So it said, the first year... They work for you. The second year, you work together. And then the third year, you work for them. So the showrunner went from Ted Danson working for him to him working for Ted Danson. That's the way it's supposed to go. But now Baker looks around and be like, Kevin Stefanski's like, I don't work for you. You still work for me. And I don't know if the whole thing is going to work because, like you said, there's no loyalty to anyone there to Baker. It's an interesting point, Wilds. Brian, let me ask you, like Nick said, though, there shouldn't be any excuses for Baker Mayfield now. He's got his new head coach. He's got all his receivers. There's so much talent up and down that roster. Is this a make-or-break year for Baker? Well, I I think it is, and I think Nick is right. When you talk about coaches and when they change and the guys that they bring in, it it really just depends on the guys that they drafted. Coaches are tied to the people that they drafted, and obviously Kevin Stefanski, who was in charge of bringing accountability, culture, and character to this organization, did not draft Baker Mayfield. But you know, more importantly than the quarterback-coach relationship, I think Baker Mayfield this year has to be more accountable to his teammate. You have Jarvis. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Chubb. You have all those great players on your offense. He has to be more accountable to them. If you want Odell Beckham Jr. there after this season, you have to make sure that you are a winning quarterback. If you want Jarvis there, you want this type of talent around you continuously throughout your career, you have to be a winning quarterback. He has to be more accountable to his teammates and the guys around him. If he does that, he'll cut down on some of those mistakes that he's made, and he'll turn that team into a winning football franchise. Nick, how much of, of last year's 6-10 and 10 record do you place on Baker Mayfield? I, I mean, was it all his fault? We had character issues. There were issues, leadership issues up and down. There were locker room issues, but how much of it was on Baker Mayfield? Is he the guy that can actually turn this franchise around for a couple years? Well, I think he's the guy that can turn the franchise around for a decade. How On the field, he was the biggest part of the problem. But their biggest problem last year is they had the worst head coach in the NFL. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. Freddie Kitchens had no business being an NFL head coach. He was out of his depth. 
He had no idea what he was doing. Don't hold it's back, the Nick. sport where head coach matters the most. And so when you have a quarterback who's playing terribly and turning the ball over, an incompetent head coach, the guy maybe with the most physical talent on your roster was most known for bonking a quarterback on the head with the item designed to protect the quarterback's head. And the second most talented guy on your roster, his most notable moment was probably wearing a watch or a visor that made the whole nation have a panic attack. It is a perfect storm for suck. And it's kind of a miracle they even won six games, that they were alive for the playoffs with a month left in the year. I, Miles Garrett will be on his best behavior. Odell's jewelry won't be as big of an issue, at least to people with common sense. Kevin Stefanski is better just by showing up. And then it's on Baker. And one of the problems for Baker Wilds is this. He believes he's a better athlete than he is. He gets himself in trouble by trying to escape and run around like he's Kyler Murray, much less Lamar Jackson, and he's not that. He needs to do what a lot of people said, take a page out of Drew Brees' book, get on your tiptoes when you need to within the pocket to look over the line and try to deal from the pocket. I know it sounds old school football, but if you're going to try to be a scrambling, run around quarterback, you got to be a better athlete than Baker is. I think Baker's done the right things this offseason, said the right things, kept his head down. But ultimately, it's as simple as stop turning the damn ball over, Baker. Wilds, to me, that's the biggest issue now that uh, Freddie Kitchens is gone. So I'm, I'm going to throw it to Brian here. So, Brian, if it's that simple, why doesn't he just do it? Or is there something to the fact that, hey, this is the way I play. This is what got me here. This is how I played when I was a little kid, and I'm going to keep doing it. Is, can he turn it around, or is it so ingrained in him that he can't change? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is the way that he played. This is how he typically did things at Oklahoma. He did things in high school, early part of his college career, because he normally was one of the best players on the field. However, in the NFL, he's not one of the best athletes. And so now he has to understand don't force it. Don't lose this game for this football team. Put the ball in Jarvis Landry's hands. Put the ball in Odell Beckham Jr.'s hands. Put the ball in Nick Chubb's hands and then Joku. Put the ball in those guys' hands. You don't have to win every single game with your arm. You don't have to make every single play. Allow these guys to make it. A three-yard pass to Odell Beckham Jr. is just as good as you scrambling around for seven, eight seconds and then trying to throw a deep ball because Odell Beckham Jr. can take a three-yard route and turn it into a 70-yard route. So don't force anything. Allow the game to come to you and understand the talent around you is much better than what you are right now as the quarterback in the pocket. And here's the other thing the Browns have going for him, Jenna. And I know you probably don't like to hear this because on your list of your power rankings of teams you root against, the Browns are at the very top. The Chiefs are at the second because you like to see me feel pain, but the Browns are at the top. <laughs> the, it, when you look at the AFC, and by the way, we now live in a world where seven teams make the playoffs. Kansas City and Baltimore lock them in for the postseason. They, they, they are clearly the class of the conference. Who else is there that's a known quantity? You, Pittsburgh's got a quarterback who's got a repaired elbow that we don't know what he weighs and we don't know what his health is. New England doesn't have a quarterback. You, you, the Texans don't have a coach. What? The, the, the Raiders and Broncos are, have questions about their quarterback. Like, the Titans just brought Ryan Tannehill back. So when you look, there's going to be five other teams other than the Chiefs and Raiders that make the playoffs out of the AFC. So the, the Browns absolutely can bounce back 
win nine or ten games and be a playoff team. It's out in front of them. They're not in the NFC, which is clearly the more loaded conference, but it all starts with Baker not turning the ball over like that, Jenna. But Nick, going into last season, everyone had the Browns just, you know, picking up where they left off the year before. And everyone said, on paper, this is such a talented team. And what happened? They combusted. So, yes, on paper, they are very talented. If Baker can sort of tap into what his, everyone, me and Mangini, no, Mangini was with me. If Baker can (laughs) tap into what he did his rookie year, they've got a chance. Albeit a tiny, tiny, like that big, but it's still a small chance. Time now for our rewarding performance, sponsored by Capital One Venture Card. What's in your wallet? So, warm weather Tom might be letting loose down in Tampa. Get this, though. There is a real chance that Tom Brady could have been a 49er this offseason, with head coach Kyle Shanahan continuing to throw gas on the fire with his latest comments. When you hear that stuff, he said, it actually is realistic for you not to look into it. To me, it would be completely irresponsible. Nick, you surprised the Niners continue to talk about how they considered replacing Jimmy Garoppolo with Tom Brady? This is so dumb. I I can't believe Lynch and Shanahan are, are just admitting to the world, yeah, we had to seriously consider getting rid of our 28-year-old for a 43-year-old because who wouldn't? Well, I'll tell you who wouldn't. The Chiefs wouldn't, the Seahawks wouldn't, the Texans wouldn't, the Packers wouldn't. Well, the Packers, who knows at this point. The Saints wouldn't. You want me to keep going? Philly didn't. Dallas didn't. The Titans could have, and they chose Ryan Tannehill over him. Like, you know who You know who does think about bringing in Tom Brady? Teams that don't like their quarterback. Because he's 43 years old, coming off the worst year of his career. And if you're going to have these discussions privately... So be it. To admit them publicly is lunacy. And the only possible explanation is they want Jimmy G to be more motivated or know he's on the clock. He should be at peak motivation anyway, since he had the game-winning Super Bowl pass in his hand and he overthrew it by seven yards. But also, he knows that he needs to upgrade a level or two to get them to where they want to be. I don't understand at all, Wilds, why they are publicly giving these flowers to Tom Brady at the expense of their quarterback. It's just baffling to me. Yeah, I don't get it at all. We had George Kittle on the show, and George Kittle sang Jimmy G's praises and talked about how great the team was and how great their chemistry was. The guy's a winner. He's 23-6 and in his starts. Yeah, he threw eight passes. What do you want him to do? He got you to the Super Bowl. I feel like that eight passes thing is constantly brought up and, and, and used to knock Jimmy G. It's like, but in any other sport, he would be viewed as a guy that was doing what it took to win. I, I think this is lunacy, Jenna. I don't know why they just don't throw their support 100% behind Jimmy G and never talk about anything else besides Jimmy G's our guy. Greg, what do you think? Is this something or nothing? Uh, Why are the Niners still talking about this? Well, it's nothing. It's truly nothing. But when you're you're a young kid and your name is Tom Brady and you've grown up in the Bay Area and your idol was Joe Montana and your favorite team was the San Francisco 49ers and then you have this illustrious Hall of Fame career, 
and you come available, I, I would think that they would be smart enough to at least throw that out there to their fans, to those who are supporting them, to let them know, you know what? We did have interest in Tom Brady. It just, for some reason, didn't work out. So it, it's nothing. This is this was them doing their due diligence and making sure their fans are at ease with the fact that Tom Brady was available and we didn't even try. Niner fans, I know you don't like this story, but don't take my word for it. Let's just listen to what your head coach had to say about your quarterback in comparison to what he had to say about Tom Brady. Here is a Kyle Shanahan quote from the same interview about Jimmy Garoppolo. He had some ups and downs, but I think he finished the second half of the year playing so much better than the first half. Didn't have to do a lot in the playoffs, but I can't wait to get back where he's not worrying about his ACL all offseason either. He's just grinding film, getting ready for the season. Hopefully he learned a lot from last year. That was on his quarterback. Here is Kyle Shanahan on Tom Brady. We had to seriously discuss and decide whether to go forward where it could come close or not. Uh, it would have, If you would have asked us right after the Super Bowl, I mean Tom Brady... Everyone knows what Tom Brady is, how unbelievable he's been. But if you ask us right after the Super Bowl, it's unheard of. It's a pipe dream. You don't really think about it. I mean, guys, he oh, doesn't. Well, he okay. is looking well, for other options. Like, this is clear. There's a dozen teams that aren't. Go ahead, Jenna. A lot of that was tone. You really put a lot of emphasis into Kyle Shanahan's comments and not so much emphasis when he was talking about Tom Brady. I know because I get in trouble with my texting oftentimes that my tone is off. But, uh, Greg, you're a former player. Were, were you a, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo now, and he, he might have felt slighted with all this. Like, why are we so worried about how these athletes feel? I mean, did, did you feel as sensitive? Like, are we so worried about Carson Wentz or... Aaron Rodgers, well, how are they going to feel that they brought someone else in? As a former player, if you were in Jimmy Garoppolo's position, would you feel slighted? Would you feel motivated? Would you be like, who cares? It's my job. Here I am. I'm going to go play football. Tell me what would be in your head. I think it would be a culmination of both emotions. You would feel a little slighted, uh, a little disrespected that they would even consider it, being that you feel like I am one of the main reasons why we got to where we where we were last year at a Super Bowl contending team. But then at the same point, at the, in the same breath, you're like, eh, well, the teams are going to always do their due diligence. Now me being on this side of it, I look at it completely different. A receiver, a running back, a defensive lineman, a cornerback, all these different positions, we look at more than just one individual. We want teams to have depth. But at the most important position, you better not consider looking at another quarterback. I don't get it. If we're if teams are really built on uh, sustaining success, then why not make sure or ensure that in case something were to happen to my most important, most valuable asset, I don't I have something else that we can insert that doesn't derail us as a franchise or where we're headed in this specific season. I don't understand it. So I don't mind teams looking at multiple quarterbacks. Nick, Greg, I know Greg, you don't, I got a question I know you for don't you. agree. <laughs> well, Greg, I got a question no, for well, you. We were talking about a, 
a story when um, you were getting older and guys were talking trash to you and you said that it actually got in your head. And can you describe how at different points in your career you were ironclad in your confidence and at other times it wavered? Because I think what we're all confused about is the amount of confidence that Jimmy G has. Does he need to be built up or is he so secure that nothing can affect him? Well, first, let me touch on what you said about myself. So I was running around, beat a DB, or I had a step on him, but he looked at me and he was like, oh, man, you're losing the step. This is right after my abdominal surgery when I came back my last year in Green Bay. And it had me thinking like, man, did I really lose a step? Now I'm older. You start thinking a little bit different. But in Jimmy Garoppolo's case, he's a young quarterback that understands and trust and believe he understands that he could have played a lot better than what he did last year, specifically in the most important game. And so when you listen to your, your head coach say all the things that Nick just read to us about what he didn't do because we didn't rely on him because we had such a great running game, you do start to, that does start to play with you a little bit. And you start to read the clippings. You start to listen to those things. I don't care how young you are. Yes, yeah, sometimes you you can buzz through that. But when you're a quarterback and you hear that we've gotten to where we were and it really had nothing to do with you, you just kind of held us together. And you don't like hearing those types of comments. Right, a couple things just quickly before we move on. Greg, the reason I was making the face during your comments is they would not have been bringing in Tom Brady to compete with Jimmy Garoppolo. They talked about getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not we're bringing in Brady in case Garoppolo gets hurt. He would be taking his job. It's not Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts. It would be you're gone now. We're trading you away. That's what would have happened. And this is simple. Like, guys, the Niners... In a sport where the career expectancy is four and a half years, consider replacing a guy with someone who is 15 years older than him. The only reason you do that is if you think deep down your quarterback's not good enough. It is as a Niner fans got mad at me all year, all playoff run. Jimmy G's better than you think, Nick. Well, then he must also be better than your coach and GM think. Because they had multiple conversations that they have now both referenced saying we considered replacing a 28-year-old with the oldest quarterback in the history of the league. That's, that is the lead of the story. Everything else is just noise. The oldest, but also the Great greatest quarterback, quarterback to ever play the game. I think you need to put, yeah, I think Wilds is right. You got to kind of squish all those words oh. together. 